Welcome back to Aspire to Lead, and I am so thankful to be with you. My family and I had just spent the last week traveling from Texas to Colorado in a big move, almost a thousand miles away, and it was quite the experience. Everything went well, but as you probably can imagine, it was an extensive process, and we are so happy to be in the state of Colorado with the beautiful mountains, and I'm just so thankful to have my office up and running and to be able to bring this podcast to you today. Before I begin the conversation with Lindsay Titus, I just want to let you know that Myself and Jeff Gargas from the Teach Better team will be at Hot Springs Technology Institute. They had this fantastic conference during the summer, and it's going to be going on for four days. It'll be June 12th and 13th for the pre-conference, which we'll be speaking on podcasting during that time. And then we've also got the conference, which is from June 14th to 15th. And I'll be speaking on Aspire to Lead for Aspire Leadership, and then also on trauma-informed practices. So very excited about this conference coming up soon. And I uh, can't wait to be in Arkansas again with Jeff Gargas, and hopefully we will see you there. Now on to my conversation with the wonderful Lindsay Titus, who is connected to the Teach Better team in so many different facets. And she's just an amazing leader and is providing so much value, not only to her district, but also to so many around this country. I cannot wait to dive into her story as she discusses how she started off as an assistant principal this past year and realized that it was not quite the position that she had envisioned and how she is now back in her role as a behavior specialist. Welcome back everyone to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Aspire listeners, I am so excited because I have a good friend, but also an amazing educational leader. She's a behavior specialist. She's infiltrated the Teach Better team in every way possible, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But I have the fantastic Lindsay Titus with me. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me back. I'm excited. Yeah, I was super pumped to see you on the schedule, and it has been a little while. I think you said July of when? July of 21. Oh my goodness. Too long. Too long. <laughs> Although It has been a while. <laughs> I, you know, you grace me with your presence every Tuesday morning in the Teach Better Admin Mastermind, which I absolutely love your participation and what you offer to that group. It's such a phenomenal group of educators. And then I got to see you at Teach Better 22 also. Yes. In person. It was awesome. I still relive that weekend numerous times. Well, I want to <laughs> get your take. So you know, we all got to go out to Akron, Ohio and uh, experience that firsthand. So I want your take on Teach Better 22. How how was it for you? Yeah. So, you know, I really was introduced to the Teach Better team during the pandemic, as I think many, many people were. Um, you know, suddenly I found myself at home, not as connected with my school district because I had I had recently just started there like one or two years prior and really feeling like. I, I need connection. Like I need to connect with people. And so I did that virtually and, you know, felt got to know so many people, including yourself, like so well, right. We knew each other so well, but it, to be able to see people face to face, to be able to give hugs, to be able to laugh, to be able to catch up in, you know, in that, in, in real time, I guess, if you will. Um, it just gave me like the biggest boost in my step for, you know, returning back to my building, you know, that Monday. And what's just really cool, and I believe a lot in energy, it's a lot of what I do and teach and, you know, coach educators on, 
that energy is contagious and you felt it in that space. I think you still feel it when people talk about it. Like you just mentioned it, like you get this like excitement because that energy, it truly is contagious across anybody there or anybody in that community. So I, I just, that's what I, that's what I really took from it is like, it reignited the passion within me to be the educator that I know I want to be. Yeah. And it was so phenomenal to see so many people that you knew, but you had never met in person. I remember just like turning to my right and you were just like there. And I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> Lindsay Titus is here next to me. It was so much fun. And you, you volunteered your time and you helped out in such a phenomenal event. It was so fun to see those educators and the, like you said too, the, the energy, you felt it right away when people were coming in the building, the excitement level was there, but then also the growth. People were not only connecting, but learning from each other. And it was such a special time. And um, I'm so glad that you were a part of it and that I got to meet you in person. But I want to touch on something that you had mentioned because that, that boost of energy that you needed, you were in a position and that was in uh, assistant principal role, which was different than the last time you were on the podcast. And I want to talk through that because it sounded like from when we were talking at the conference that you were struggling. And I want to hear about that story and, and what your experience was as an assistant principal. Yeah, absolutely. So I, during, again, during the pandemic, <laughs> I took that as an opportunity to go back to school. And I think that's what I was actually doing last time I was on the show is finishing up that certification program. And I finished, um, there was openings in my district for assistant principals. I interviewed and I was given a position as an assistant principal at one of our junior high schools that was going to start. Um, it ended up not starting until October of that year of, of 2021. And so I did that position for just about two years. So just about until this August, August or no, April, April of 23. Um, and it was a very difficult transition for me, more so on the personal side, but also on the professional. So the day I switched from a behavior specialist position in my district to an assistant principal. And the day that I made that switch is the day I found out I was pregnant with our second daughter. And so my first year as an AP, which was, you know, really first year back, like full, you know, everybody's in the buildings, like full back. Um, I was also <laughs> pregnant <laughs> and it was not the easiest, right? Yeah. Super grateful, but was not the easiest. And then you know, fast forward my second year, we have a newborn at home, you know, so sleepless nights, just life with a newborn. And so that wasn't ideal, right? But I don't get to, we don't get to pick the outcomes, right? We don't get to pick the results. And so I tried my best, right? I tried to show up every day and give it what my best was that day, which it differed, right? It differed every day, but ultimately towards the last few months, you know, really, I would say around like February, March, it was really just like, what can I do to get to the end of the school year? Um, which I don't love that mindset. That's never been my mindset as an educator. It's always, what can I do today to be the best and ignite the best in those that I'm serving? And so I knew something had to change because, you know, I had made great connections. I loved working with the students. I loved working with the staff. I learned so much in the position but it also, I realized over the two years, it's not the position for me and that I really do love, you know, instructional coaching um, for our students uh, with special needs and our staff that work in those classrooms. 
Um, I have a pure passion for behavior, um, but really more aimed at pre preventative and proactive tier one, tier two level behavior. Um, so there was just a lot that went into it. And as things happened, there was an opening, a reopening back in my district for behavior specialist. And I took the leap and I said, would it be possible for me to return? And my district has fully supported me and had me, you know, switch back into that role um, right after our April break. So I've been back in this role for about a month. Um, and it has really been it again, it, it reignited my passion to serve and do what I do at my school. Okay, I want to talk about that process because I'm thinking that the perception or maybe the way I would internalize it is people are going to think I'm a failure. And this isn't the pathway that most people take. It's usually to ascend into another position, right? So mm -hmm. I'm an assistant principal. I have to go and become a principal. And for you, you're like, no, that's, I, I can already tell this is not right for myself and for my family. I'm going to make a shift. So what was the mental aspect of that? And how did you kind of hurdle through some of the ideas that people may have on yourself? So I think the biggest thing is my mindset going in and going into that role and any role now was not in the past now is I'm Lindsay before anything I do. So who I am, right. Who I'm going to be, who I'm going to show up as is way more important than my job title. I had that at my core. And so it made my decision easier. Didn't make it easy, but it made it easier because I had lost sight of who I was. Like I was having thoughts that I'm like, this is like thoughts from that I was having like 15 years ago. I'm like, what is going on? And, you know, after all the work I've done, I, I started listening to them. I'm like, okay, they're going to guide me. And it's ultimately having a truth that, you know, our, we, we live almost in this culture where our lives are almost mapped out for us. Like you said, right? Like at a young age, it's, you do well in school, so you can go to college, you do well in college, so you can get a job, you do well at your job, so you can get a promotion, you do job the promotion, so on and so forth. And so we end up doing behaviors and we end up doing things for some future version of ourselves that we don't even know if that's what we want. And so as I was going through this um, role, I could I told I could have told you I did tell actually my other assistant principal by month two I was like, this isn't for me because I knew I didn't want to be a principal like and I knew that before I even started, but I also knew that this role would give me building level experience because all I really had is district level, and I really wanted to see you know that building level feel that community that climate and culture within a school building. But I knew that it wasn't, but I also knew I took that role too to be pushed and, and grow. So it's this like, it's this balance of like, well, is this too much growth? <laughs> is it too much expansion? Can I really handle it? And it's it's not that my my colleague, my assistant principal, like kept me in check the last couple months because I just, I, I texted her and I said, I just can't do this. And she was like, hold up, you can do it. Just not right now in the season that you're in. And it was what I needed to hear. I'm like, you're right. And it's also, it wasn't serving me to do it. And that's what I really believe. And if you're doing something that's not serving you, there is something else out there. There is a different path. There's a bend in the road that you can take that will serve you so you can serve others. And for me, this is that position right now. It's not my long-term position. I know that, but I also have so much more clarity now about what that position is that I'm almost like creating it in my mind and on paper so that I know when the opportunity presents itself, it's like, that is what I want. 
And so we can look at things as failures, but it's how are you defining failure, right? If I don't fail, I don't grow. And a standard I live by is I live for growth. And so it's it's coming to terms with, okay, yeah, I might've failed and that's a good thing. That's actually serving me. Um, but I will add real quick too. I did have, cause I want people, I want to be trend, as transparent. I mean, I, the day I switched back <laughs> to my behavior specialist role, I walked into my office, same office I had two years ago. I'm sitting at the same cubicle. <laughs> I said it two years ago and I had a moment where tears were just in my, in my eyes. Like I'm, I went backwards, right? Like I went backwards. What am I doing? And I made a wrong choice. And luckily, because the work I've done, I was able to stop that thought pattern and say, but I'm not the same person I was two years ago. Might be the same seat. It might even be the same chair. It's the same desk. It's not the same me. I have so much more experience. I have so much more knowledge that I've already brought to this position. And so when we remind ourselves of who we are, it makes the decisions we, we get to make a little bit easier because when they relate to you, you can trust that you've made the right call. So for me, that's the process. If if that makes sense that I went through. <laughs> yeah, I love the process. And that's kind of what I wanted to get at was, you know, for people who are potentially in a position now that are is not fulfilling to them and they know they need to be somewhere else, maybe some guidance as to how to filter through that to get to the point of making a change. Because a lot of times yeah. change is tough and there are a lot of other pieces to that puzzle um, to get to the place that you need to be. But I know for you, you're probably one of the most intentional folks that I know. And that's why I love like picking your brain, Lindsay, is because you really do have a process of sitting down, reflecting and trying to determine, okay, what is my core? What is, what is my belief here? And then once you identify that, that's when you can then start making the action steps to go in the direction that you need to go. And so I'm looking at you and you seem happier then and, and please don't take that as a slight as you were you know even a couple months ago so mm-hmm. kudos to you for making the change and doing what's best for you personally and for your family but second of all i want to know like was there something that you went through as far as a process to identify where you needed to go because i know like your book is one of these things that you you're, it's essentially a journal right of reflection so i didn't know if was it just doing things that you wrote in your book or were there some additional things that you put in place to make sure that you were going in the correct direction yeah so i definitely go a lot to writing when i'm feeling when i'm feeling this resistance right when i start to feel i don't know what to do i don't i don't know what the next step is for me, the best way for me to get that out is writing. Um, and so I did, I used, I used my journal. I mean, nine times out of 10 too, I just take a plain sheet of paper and just brain dump my thoughts, like get them all out. Um, but I always tell people like, if you are musical, like write a song about it, right? If you're an artist, draw it out. I am just not either, <laughs> either of those things. I'm not even going to pretend to be, you know, I, I heard a quote once and I don't remember who said it, but it was, don't quit after your worst day, quit something after your best day. And, you know, again, you can define quit however, <laughs> however you want. And that was ultimately, I had, and an, it was about, it was a week at, towards the end of January, that it was actually like what I would call quote unquote, good week. I wasn't highly stressed at work. Things like were in, in place. Like I was making really good strides with students and I still was coming home. Like, mm, this isn't for me. Like there was still a feeling of 
I'm not there. And so I journaled out, you know, what, what do I love? You know, I, I go to the cliche, like pros and cons list, right. But I do it, what's serving me and what's not serving me. I think sometimes when we do pros and cons or positive and negative, we immediately make something right and wrong. And to me, it's just about what aligns to you. Like what is serving you right now in the season that you're at and what is not serving you? I am someone, if, if you know my, my history, I have, I've had several jobs in education because I hadn't found the right fit. And each time I didn't necessarily do it this structured. That's what it came down to for me is what part of this serves me. And is that like a higher level than the things that aren't? And once that these aren't serving me kind of weighs more then I know it's time to take a next step and see what else is out there. And so, you know, as I, as I was journaling out, I kept going back to behavior because that is what I absolutely love. And again, the reason that I had went from behavior specialist to admin is I wanted growth, right? So I think whichever direction you're looking, whether you're going forward or backward, it's all the same. If you are looking for growth and expansion, then, you know, look for a position that's going to afford you growth and expansion. Part of my hesitation initially to go back into this role is I was looking at it as that way, a backwards move. And I had to, again, redefine the script in my head that we don't go backwards. We only move forwards. Because like I said, I'm a brand new person than I was two years ago. And so I realized like I was holding myself back by saying I can't grow in this role anymore because I absolutely can. I have this huge new mindset and perspective from my administrative courses and my time as an AP that I didn't have before. And so I think it's, it really is our thoughts lead the way, right? Our thoughts lead our actions. And so however you can get into your thoughts and without judgment, without shame, without guilt, and just, and just see them and be aware of them. That is really for me, what guides then my ability to take action that aligns to me. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, so I'm looking on your website, defineuniversity.com, and I can see that there's a bundle that you have on your website for your mm -hmm. journal, your 90-day journal. So, you know, if someone is trying to work through some difficulties similar to what you're what you have gone through is your journal something that would help them through that process? I think so. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So there's a journal and then I also affirmations are, you know, one of my go-to cards or one of my go-to strategies, which is why I made cards for educators. You know, we see it a lot with, you know, especially on social media, you see it for students, right? People will make the affirmation stations. Um, they will put the affirmations around the mirror but the number one question I then ask teachers when I see that is when's the last time you used it? When's the last time you made affirmations that work for you? Now, people that work with me, they're like this morning, <laughs> right after lunch, because they know how important that mindset is. And so if it's good for kids, it's great for us, like, and vice versa. If it's good for us, I guarantee it's good for our students. Um, and so, you know, I had, I had an educator that was using, um, the journal that was like, your journal got me through flying by myself for the first time, because I was able to, you know, recognize that my fear was the power I needed to, to do this new thing. And so in it, there's daily doses of inspiration, which are poems that I wrote to just inspire, encourage, and motivate, but there's also a daily affirmation there's room for gratitude and celebrations, which for me are like your, your book ends of like creating the life you want, right? Anchor in celebrations and anchor in gratitude. 
And, and then the other side is really reflective. It's some reflective questions and then you get to use it. So it's a guided type journal, but with a lot of room for you just to get your thoughts out because that's nine, nine times out of 10 when people feel stuck, it's because they, they're having this tug of war in their mind between the past and what they, you know, what happened and the future, what they want to happen. And we forget that we can just drop the rope and focus in on this moment right here, which is really what the act of journaling helps you with. Yeah, I have the book. I have used the resource. It is wonderful. It's got prompts in there and it's beautifully set up. Make sure you go and check that out as soon as possible. Lindsay, I lean on you a lot on stress strategies. And I feel like this time of year, especially, and we saw this in the mastermind just last month of you know, people just kind of listing all the things that need to get done by the end of the school year. And you can just see in their face the worry of, of the job and, and how many hours they're working, especially in admin. So for our leaders, what are some stress strategies that you like to use or maybe you coach other folks in education to help them through this time of year? So it really, and I don't want to oversimplify this, but it really does come down to the thoughts that we're having, right? And so it is a lot more than that, obviously. But if the thoughts I'm having is there's never enough time, guess what I'm going to find? <laughs> I'm going to find experiences that tell me there's never enough time. If I have the thought and the mindset of time is limitless, there's always enough time because time is expansive, then I'm going to find opportunities to practice time being expansive. And we've all done it. We've all had that minute that has felt like an hour, right? That minute, maybe it's like the minute before dismissal or the minute before a student goes to a service. And you're like, how, how is it not that minute <laughs> gone up yet? We've also had an experience where one minute has, or like an hour has felt like one minute, right? We've had both. Because even though time is finite in terms of, yes, one hour is 60 minutes, a minute is 60 seconds, the feeling we have from it is limitless. But we have to believe that to be true. So when we are listening to the words we're speaking, that is my, when people are stressed, that is my number one thing. I said, start either recording or just listening and paying attention to the words that you're saying. Because when we're stressed, we're in, we're here, we're in one spot, but we are thinking about somewhere else. And it's usually the future or the past, right? We're worried about something we did, or we're stressed about something we're going to do. We're anxious about something we're going to do. When we pay attention to those thoughts, we can change the language that we're using to things like, it's okay. I always find a way. It always gets done. We often set up arbitrary timelines in our minds that things have to be done you know, Thursday when it's due Tuesday. And so we have, to, and I had to do this for myself. I was always, if it's not done a week ahead of time, it's late. You know, if I'm not 20 minutes early, I'm late. And that's a limiting belief I learned as a, as a child. <laughs> Let me say if my mom was still here. I'd very be... different lives here, Lindsay, <laughs> just on that statement alone. <laughs> I would say if my mom was still here, I'd be like, thanks for that one, mom. So now I know it was a limiting belief from her, but it's okay. We love her. <laughs> but now I've learned like, if it's due Tuesday and I do it Monday night, it's okay. <laughs> if it's due Tuesday and I do it Tuesday morning, it's okay. If it's due Tuesday and something came up and I have to explain myself and say, this is the situation, that's okay too. As long as I'm not doing that every time. <laughs> but it's giving ourselves permission to be present and to realize time is on our side. It's not the enemy. It's not something we have to work against. But stress comes from this. We have this really, we have this vision 
And for whatever reason, our actions aren't aligning with that vision and that's okay. The purpose of life is to live it. It is not to create it in a box. It is not to have it be perfect because perfection is now, right? Wherever you are right now is perfect because you're there. And that's just these standards that I've learned to live by. Now, do I get stressed? Of course I do. The difference now versus the past is when I get stressed, I can, I'm aware of it and I can say what's causing it. What do I need? You know, my husband, he knows what to say to me now to help me with my thoughts. I have friends that I can reach out to and they know the questions to ask so that I can recenter and ground myself. And so it's not about eliminating stress. It's not about eliminating overwhelm, but it's how do we work through it so that we can then continue to grow and expand um, and really listening to your thoughts, recognizing where they are and really creating uh, a mindset where time is your best friend um, have really been helpful for me. All right. I want to talk about some of the free resources that you have on your website too, because you also have this work-life balance sheets mm -hmm. and there's several here that I'm looking at. And I'm just curious, is work-life balance a lie? Is that possible? I mean, as, <laughs> as a mother of multiple children, and that's one thing I've struggled with, of course, I have a whole fleet in my household, so it's a little bit different, but you know, for the work-life balance, what are some things that you put in place to help you as an educational leader, but then also, you know, be the mother and wife that you need to be? Yeah. So I, I do think it is possible. Um, it's funny that I, I, and I know why I have it listed work-life balance because that's what connects to most people. Um, but those that know me know I call it the work-life blend because it's, it is about blending your lives, right? So again, I mentioned who you are being versus what you are doing. And that includes all aspects of your lives. And so for me, yeah, I have many roles, right? I have, I'm a business owner. I am a behavior specialist. I am a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a daughter. I'm a, <laughs> a sister. You know, I could go on and on. We all could, but what happens, and this is, this was me for years. People would ask me, right? Like, what do you do? Tell me about yourself. And I would forget to even say like, I'm Lindsay. <laughs> and so now that is the first thing I say, like, well, I'm Lindsay and this is me. And these are some things that I do. Um, because typically when we're asked that, like, Hey, tell me about yourself. We will say where we're from, what we do, and then anything related to our family. So whether we are married or, you know, in a relationship or, and then any kids or pets, and that's, that is a part of us, but it's not all of us. And so, yes, I do believe there is work-life balance. There's work-life blend, because again, without the belief, we won't take action to make things real for ourselves. So if your mindset is there is no such thing as work-life balance, you won't find it because you can't, your mind can't comprehend this, it, that we're saying it's, it's not possible. So by saying it is possible, I love the blended piece because some days work is 80%. It just happens, right? We all have those days, but sometimes my family gets to be 90%. Sometimes I take a mom day and it's hundred percent, right? And so I get to decide. And so these resources are really aimed at helping you break down, you know, what is it that you can do to still create um, control really and accountability and ownership over your time. Um, and you're, when you're spending it, wherever you are, you're present so that you can focus on that versus, okay, I'm here with my kids, but I'm thinking about that report that's due tomorrow, right? For me, it's, okay, I'm here with my kids. Oh, wait, I had a thought. I put it on the brain dump list. It's out of my mind. I know I will get to it. And now I'm back with my kids. We can't stop the, the necessarily the thoughts from coming, 
but I don't have to, you know, ruminate on them. I don't have to stress about them. I can get it in a spot and then I know I'm going to get to it later. All right. I'm going to switch gears. You have your hand, I swear, in every aspect of the Teach Better team. So <laughs> will you list out, I'm, I was trying to list it out in my brain and I don't have the brain dump in front of me, so I can't list it <laughs> on a piece of paper. So if you could just list all of the things that you are part of with the Teach Better team. So yeah, so I blog, um, I blog each month. Although if Carrie's listening, she's like, that is not true. We always <laughs> say when everyone sees Carrie, the first thing <laughs> that everyone says is I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Carrie. Like that is the first words. And I've witnessed this in person and yes. virtually. Yes. Although I do have one coming out this month. Um, I do want <laughs> so we're month. sorry, um, Carrie. We're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do blog. I have a think better blog that ideally comes out each month where again, I just, I try and give a a thing to think differently about, right? And to think better about, right? So the one I just wrote was actually about how I don't, as even as a behavior specialist, I don't love to call it behavior management. Um, and instead it's behavior leadership or student leadership. No one wants to be a manager. To me, like, yeah, they're simple tweaks, but they make such a big difference. So I do that. Um, I'm on the podcast network. Uh, with you are. <laughs> Defining diversity show. I am on the speakers network because I love speaking to educators about behavior and mindset and wellness and all the things that go in all those categories. Admin mastermind. And the entrepreneur mastermind too, right? Oh, and the entrepreneur mastermind. Yes. And then I'm an ambassador. See, I actually, I want to touch on the entrepreneur mastermind real quick, if you don't mind, yeah. because you yeah. had mentioned you being a business owner and that is a part mm -hmm. of who Lindsay Titus is and you mm -hmm. have defined universities. So well, first off, why don't you explain, because I don't think I've ever actually talked about it on my podcast, but I actually have been able to participate and I was like a substitute teacher for a couple of weeks where <laughs> Jeff was out <laughs> ill. And so I got to lead this phenomenal group of wonderful, yeah. you know, business minded folks. So will you just kind of talk about what it is and then why did you want to join this community? Yeah. So when you think of entrepreneur, it's, you know, educator, entrepreneur, you know, kind of pulled together. And so it is a mastermind of, you know, educators, whether they're active right now in, you know, as a, as a school, you know, employee, so to speak, there's some of us that, that are, you know, we are fully employed by a school district or that, but then we do, um, you know, in addition to that, we do speaking, consulting, coaching, and then there's some educators that have left, you know, the traditional school sense and are full-time consultants, full-time speakers, um, full-time content creators in the educational space. And so, but everybody has a business, right? Or is is looking to grow a business. Um, and it is a beautiful, I think, collaboration of support. But we're all, even though we're all educators at heart, we are all very different. Um, and so when I was looking for a mastermind to join for my business, um, I, I was looking for just that. Like I wanted people that were like-minded in the sense that they understand education because it is a very unique field, but also from people that are going to be, you know, further along in their journey than I am. And then potentially people that I could help, you know, in their journey too. Um, and then, you know, we just, we have different kind of themes each week. So sometimes somebody's on the hot seat and we listen and then we give, you know, advice or recommendations, feedback. Um, other times we have guest speakers come in. Other times we, you know, we've done book studies, we listen to podcasts, and then we have collaborative conversations about them. And it's, you know, it's interesting because again, we don't all have the same viewpoints. So you get to, you know, hear from people that think differently or apply the information differently. Um, but it also allows like, so for me, 
especially with, you know, the baby and the job switch and all of this, you know, my, my momentum for Define You has slowed down a little bit than comparative to two years ago, but it's still, you know, I still go and I love being a part of it because it keeps that momentum going for me at the pace that I can handle right now. So, you know, we make one commitment each week and sometimes that's all I do for my business and that's okay. You know, I know I'm still committed. I'm still moving it forward and it just looks different but you have this supportive, you know, network that I think anytime you're looking to grow and expand, having a mastermind of people that can help you do that is, is essential. Whether it's a mastermind or community, just having that network is so critical. And that's why I'm a part of so much of Teach Better, because that's the network that has continued to push me like to do, to do more and to figure out who I am and then share it with others. Well, we love having you in all those different communities. You are (laughs) phenomenal. So Lindsay, I'm going to center us back to the why of the podcast, which is for our aspiring or current leaders who are listening, if there's something they can do tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you recommend them do? I think right now, I don't remember what I said two years ago. It'd be interesting to go back and look or listen. Right now, I want to really share the importance of celebrating where you are right now. I think so often, and I know I did this myself, right? We get our eye on the prize, so to speak. And we have this goal. We we have this thing. And that's great, right? Like we've got to know where we're going. But at the same time, we've got to learn to celebrate now and the excitement. And, you know, I share that with educators a lot. And the number one response I get is like, but nothing exciting happened today. I'm like, and that's it, right? If we are waiting to celebrate, right? We're waiting for the marriage, the the births, the graduations, the promotions, like we're gonna be waiting a while because those things don't happen every day. And the only reason that we get there is because of all the little things along the way. So we learn to celebrate all the little things, whether they're in our minds, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. So there are sometimes my celebration list is you got sworn at today, <laughs> you know, Um got yelled at, you know, and sometimes it's made a connection, made a kid laugh. Um, You know, sometimes it's kid brought, you know, brought me my favorite candy. There's no right or wrong. And so, you know, sometimes I'll push the educators I work with to, I'm like, you got to make a celebration list of 50 things from today. And they're like, 50 things. I'm like, yeah, 50 things from today, because we've got to get in the habit of celebrating where we're at knowing that where we are is exactly where we're meant to be and it's going to get us to the next step. And so wherever you are on your journey, if you're a veteran leader, if you are aspiring, if you are somewhere in the middle, take five minutes today and just jack down as many things as you can celebrate and then keep that momentum going and remind yourself, you know, there are there's a lot that's happening in the day, but everything is happening to help me grow and expand as the leader that I get to be. Well, I'm going to make my list and I'm just going to write I got to talk to Lindsay Titus twice today. There you go. 50 times. Today was a good day. All right, my friend. I want you to share all of the different ways people can connect with you either on your website or on social media. Yeah. So everything, you know, kind of that we talked about, if you had to define university.com, university with Y-O-U is the best place, but I am most active, I would say on Instagram, um, which is Lindsay Titus EDU. Um, and then also on Facebook though, um, Twitter occasionally, <laughs> but I, I love the long captions for, for Instagram. So, and Facebook, so definitely there. And then obviously the podcast or the website, but reach out. I love to connect. Um, I love, you know, just hearing stories and connecting with educators. So um, I would love to connect with anybody that's looking for that. 
yeah, Lindsay's a wonderful ear and she coaches all the time. It, it's someone I lean on constantly. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. So I, I feel so fortunate, Lindsay, to have you as a friend, as a colleague, someone that's, you know, embedded in the Teach Bear team. It was so fantastic to see you in person. And like I said, anytime I get to hang out with you is a, is a good day. So thank you so much for being on the Inspire podcast again and for all that you do for the many educators out there in our nation and our world. You are such a bright, phenomenal light in this world. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it.